Hi everyone, welcome back into the BT Powerhouse Podcast. My name is Thomas Bendit. I am the host of the podcast as always. It is Monday, November 20th, 2017. College basketball is back. We are rocking and rolling, moving forward uh, after a the first full week of college basketball action, we got uh, treated with the Gavit Games, which is the annual Big Ten Big East showdown. Some interesting results there. We got to enjoy the Champions Classic and a few sprinkling of uh, you know neutral site games, rivalry-ish games, I would say. And with that one, I'm referring to Illinois-DePaul and a few other matchups that are a little uh, noteworthy as well. So obviously November's largely going to be filled with buy games, meaning lower quality opponents who Big Ten programs will pay to come in and essentially beat them. But there are there are some noteworthy matchups. You know, I touched on a couple of the events over the last week or so, but so it's it's Monday afternoon. I should note half of the day's games or so have already happened. Um, Iowa went down earlier today, but the evening games have not happened. Um, you know, Michigan plays later tonight in Maui. Uh, there are a couple other games as well. I believe Wisconsin plays tonight is um, later on against Baylor, but. Just for our podcast listeners who are listening, please note, you know, those games are not included, obviously, in my analysis this afternoon. But so this will I'm going to be doing today's show solo. I just want to touch on some of the teams in the league, what we've seen so far, what's been encouraging, what's been disappointing uh, and so on and so forth. So I want to start at the top and specifically with Michigan State, who was the preseason Big Ten favorite, and I'm going to try to touch on all 14 teams here briefly today. We'll see if we get through them all in a reasonable amount of time, but so I'm going to start with the Spartans, the Big Ten preseason favorite. They're ranked number two by the AP poll coming into the season, a little bit lower on the advanced stats profiles, but generally speaking, thought to be at least a top 15 team by most a top 10 or top five team. So Michigan State came in. They opened up with a very winnable opening night game against North Florida. They took care of business there without much difficulty. And then they played Duke uh, last Tuesday night in the Champions Class. One versus number two, something that does not happen very often in in college basketball. You know, as much as we have come to enjoy the early season games, it's not very often that you get one that's that big, at least on paper, coming into the season. And there's a few thoughts I had as far as that game went and what it could mean going forward. And I would say, you know, from the positive standpoint, um, the first thing is, is Jaron Jackson was excellent. The true freshman, McDonald's All-American. He was really, really good. He was really good in the opening game as well. I think Michigan State has absolutely added a player who's going to make a big dif- difference as the season goes on. And and frankly, you know, maybe maybe I'm a little bit uh, suffer- or I'm suffering from recency bias here, but I think he might be better right now than Miles Bridges was at this time of the season. You know, obviously Bridges developed and really grew into a really good player by the end of the season, but Jackson to me looks more ready right now 
than Bridges was last year. Again, maybe that's recency bias. Um, I can't remember exactly what, what I thought of Bridges a week into the season last year, but that's the impression I'm getting, and I think he's going to do a lot for Michigan State's front court. Um, additionally, as far as positives or you know, optimistic outlooks. You know, again, the Spartans do fall to the Blue Devils last Tuesday night. This is not a crushing loss by any means. You know, losing to a team that is projected by many to make the Final Four to contend for the national title is certainly nothing to be ashamed of, especially on a neutral court in the first week of the season. So I think this is a growing experience. Tom Izzo will be able to look at how they performed, sort of build on that, as the team moves forward. So that's uh, that's kind of the optimistic half glass full if you want to look at it that way. On the other side of things, though, I do think there are some concerns. And I just want to note, you know, I wrote this in my, my season preview, which is obviously a little bit outdated now, but uh, you have to judge Michigan State by a little bit of a different standard than the other teams this year. And that's because... The expectations were so high for the Spartans. You know, this is a team that it's Final Four or bust this year. I don't care what anyone says. If they don't win the Big Ten, it'll be a disappointment. If they don't win the Big Ten tournament, it'll be a disappointment. If they don't make the Final Four, it'll be a disappointment. I won't say that about the national championship because there's always some craziness there, and you never know, uh, you know, what teams like Duke and Kentucky are going to do. But Generally speaking, those are the expectations for Michigan State, and I I think they're realistic and reasonable expectations given the talent on the roster. And frankly, I'm just I'm not going to listen to to people who disagree with that. And maybe that's a weird statement, but you know, fans a lot of times like to add excuses. They like to talk about, oh, you know, X player was injured or, you know, this guy just had a bad night, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't shooting well. You know, those are the expectations with Michigan State. When you bring back a lottery pick like Miles Bridges, when you're bringing in a McDonald's All-American in Jaron Jackson, and, you know, I wrote this in the preview, but Michigan State's starting lineup right now features five top 50 guys. Every guy is a major four-star or five-star recruit. There are three five-stars in the starting lineup right now. That's not a team that doesn't win the Big Ten this year. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, those are the expectations. So I, that whole speech right there is given for one reason, and that reason is we need to make sure we're judging by that standard. And there were from some red flags. I'll say that much on Tuesday night. And my first one is is, is the backcourt is still really underwhelming. Uh, Winston didn't wasn't that impressive. Neither was Langford, Tum Tum. Same story. Uh, I, I think the backcourt is still an issue. I I really haven't seen anything to indicate that that they're going to be able to elevate against top-tier opponents. And really, for Michigan State, that's going to be what it takes. They can't have the nights where the backcourt is a disaster project. Now, I wouldn't call it a disaster project on Tuesday night's game against Duke, but it certainly did not carry the team in any facet. Uh, yeah, it was all the front court. That was all Bridges. That was all Jackson. And those guys really powering things down low um, or you know, out in the perimeter hitting threes and, and long twos. So I would say I, I think that's a concern. It it's, looks like there hasn't been a ton of progression there. You know, maybe that changes here for the next couple of weeks. But I think that's the first thing. And the second thing is, is I think we might even have seen a more optimistic outlook on Michigan State in that game than maybe reality was. 
And the reason I'll say this is Michigan State was getting handled uh, in the first half before uh, Bagley went out for the Blue Devils. And I, I, I'm always hesitant to play the what-if game and, you know, this should have happened or shouldn't have happened. But you do have to wonder, if Bagley plays that entire game, is that one competitive? Because Duke was up double digits. It looked like Michigan State had absolutely no answer for him on the board, the offensive boards. Uh, it would be their defense, or yeah, it would be their defensive board. But he was dominating in that game, and I understand they're not going to see players like Bagley on a nightly basis. But you know, maybe Michigan State ends up losing by twenty in that. Game. I know that sounds dramatic, but you know, maybe they end up losing by a significant margin. Should Bagley finish? that game and I think that's important to note right now because again Michigan State standard their expectations are final four this year their expectation is to win the Big Ten and a team that that loses by a significant margin to Duke I'll be still a good team may not be up to that caliber you know I, I would just say that you know, we need to keep it in context knowing what happened. So there are obviously going to be far more challenging games coming up here for the Spartans. So I don't want to read too much into one result, which kind of had a weird injury issue. But that'll be the that'll be the story going forward as far as the Spartans. Um, moving on to the next team I want to talk about, who I think right now, for my money, is the best team in the Big Ten. That's Purdue. They Last week, they went on the road, scored a really nice road win over Marquette. They were in comfortable control late in that game, um, came out with a win, and and really look like they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Big Ten this season. They have already put up three games of 100 points or more. They have blasted the inferior opponents they've played, and as I mentioned, they got a nice road win at Marquette. I'm still not sure exactly how good Purdue is. We need some more games against quality opponents to really get a good gauge um, because they're 4-0 right now. Three of those wins are against really garbage, and one is against Marquette. And obviously, you know, we do have to wonder, okay, what? how good is Marquette as well? Those are questions about every team, about every opponent so far. But I think Marquette is a solid team. I think that was a really good road win for Purdue. will be valuable as we get towards the end of the season. But I think Purdue is for real and the real question is is are they for real as a top 15 team are they for real as a top 20 team or are they a top 10 team i don't know this week we're going to get a really good idea on that though they're going to go to the bahamas they're going to likely get a game against villanova they have a shot at getting a game against arizona i believe as well who are the two top two teams on ken palm so theoretically if purdue wins out this week and gets the matchups that it should get they could potentially have two top five wins by the end of the week. Now, is that likely? Probably not. And my guess is Purdue will drop at least one, uh, if not two games this week. But the big thing will be taking care of business in their opening game, moving on and going forward. And I really think the story of Purdue is going to be Carson Edwards. If he can come out big, be a little more consistent. He was up and down uh, against Marquette. He was up and down against some of the other opponents, um, at least for segments. I I think that's going to be the story. Purdue needs him to be a star player because I like Vincent Edwards. I like Isaac Haas. Excuse me, Isaac Haas. I don't think either of those guys are all Big Ten first-team caliber. That's my opinion. I just don't see it. 
Um, I think they're both good quality players. They were all, both all Big Ten honorable mention last year, but I don't think either of those guys is on that next caliber and next tier. So it's going to be important that maybe Carson Edwards steps up and either gives them a, a big three or maybe he can excel and, and pass those guys. So that's going to be the story of Purdue, and we'll see what they can do in the Bahamas. Um, moving down to the, the next team I want to touch on, and that's Minnesota. And I will try to make these a little briefer. Uh, otherwise, we're going to be here for a couple hours. But Minnesota, they went on the road last week, and the Gavit Games got a really, really impressive road win at Providence. They ended up winning by double digits against a team that is top 30 on Ken Palm. And, you know, maybe Providence is weaker than what the preseason uh, projections are, but that's a huge road win. Jordan Murphy has been unbelievable so far. He has two Big Ten Player of the Week awards already, and one can argue he's not even the best player on their team. Uh, So far, he certainly has been, but one can make a strong argument. Nate Mason's better than him. Maybe Coffey's better by him excuse me, better than him by the end of the year. But that's a big statement if you have a guy putting up numbers like that and you can make a reasonable argument despite his epic performances so far that he's not even uh, the second best player on the team. I I think Minnesota's legit. I think they're going to do some serious damage and they get a couple interesting games this week. Specifically, keep an eye on that game against Alabama on Saturday night on a neutral court. The Crimson Tide are considered to be a top 25-ish team. If Minnesota can get a nice quality win there, I think you really have to take a step back and think of this team as a very legitimate contender for Big Ten title and a legitimate contender for the second weekend in March. But we'll see. Their team, uh, it would be nice to get a couple more results and also to see you know where Providence falls as well. But uh, moving down to the next team, Maryland, another team that has really answered the bell uh, so far this season. They got a tough matchup with Butler in the Gavit games, took care of business against the Bulldogs. They knocked off Bucknell over the weekend as well. And that may not sound impressive, but those are both top 100 teams right now. Butler obviously has a pretty long string of success going now over the last decade or so. So two nice quality wins. Terps are 4-0. and uh, The other thing that's really exciting about Maryland is a lot of underclassmen are contributing. Um, Two freshmen making some noise as well with Fernando and Marcel. I think Maryland has a lot of room to grow as well. And I mean, we'll see, you know, how those pieces sort of fit together as we go forward. But um, I'll be honest, you know, I I had thought this team was going to sort of peak this year and they would get some offseason attrition. Specifically, one would think Jackson will probably go pro after the season. Obviously, you know, we'll have to wait and see, but um, I had sort of come into the season thinking that this was going to sort of be the peak, and then they would drop back a little bit. But I, I think they're in position to make a run for the next couple of years and, and be a real contender in the Big Ten and beyond uh, going forward. So you have to be excited if you're in College Park about the future of uh, Maryland basketball. Um, moving moving off of Maryland, um, so we, we touched on what I view as the conference's top teams, you know, the contenders, so to speak, for the title. Obviously, there are, there are more teams that could potentially contend, but I sort of view those as the, the top teams right now. So moving past them, um, two teams that, that didn't have as great of 
opening week, weeks or so, that'd be Wisconsin and Northwestern. Um, starting with Wisconsin, you know, they had a uh, very challenging game with Xavier last Thursday night. Um, it was a very competitive game back and forth. And, you know, with less than five minutes to go, Wisconsin was actually in great position to come out with a win. Um, but, you know, Trevon Bluett really blew up uh, late in that game, got uh, the Musketeers a, a really nice road win. But I, I think this is going to be the story of a lot of Wisconsin's games this weekend. Now, admittedly, few teams on Wisconsin's schedule are going to be as good as Xavier. So that's something we need to keep in mind. You know, Xavier has really put together a good run recently. So keep that in mind. But, you know, one of the biggest advantages Wisconsin's had over the last few years is late game play, you know, the clutch moments. Uh, Koenig was phenomenal in those situations. Nigel Hayes was good as well. And those guys are both gone this year. So I I think you're going to see a lot of games where it's going to come down to a shot or two and Wisconsin may come out on the wrong side of those this year where you know the last couple of years they've they've seemed to come out on top more times than not so that might be something to keep an eye on but a tough loss for the Badgers more than enough opportunities to to rebuild starting with as I said a game that I believe is tonight and that's uh Wisconsin versus Baylor so most of the people listening to this will probably have already seen the results of of that one if that game is tonight sorry i'm i'm on the road so i i don't have my uh my schedule here right in front of me so uh the second team though northwestern uh you know i i tweeted this out on sunday evening but every year it seems like there's one big team big 10 team excuse me that really surprises and there's one big 10 team uh or i should say really surprises in a good way and there's one team that really surprises in a bad way i'm Really starting to think Northwestern is the latter team this year. They they came out, have looked lackluster so far. They got through their opening bye game, but it, it was far more competitive than I think fans would have liked. And they followed that up in the Gavit games with a home loss to Creighton. And I do think Creighton is a solid team. I think they're going to do some damage this year, but far, far from a a team that Northwestern, a projected top 25 squad, should be losing to at home. Uh, so certainly a disappointing loss. And, and then on Sunday, they faced Texas Tech on a neutral court and just got blasted by them. Uh, it was not competitive at all. Their offense was shut down. They couldn't defend anything. Um, it was a total, total dominating effort by Texas Tech. And it's going to send Chris Collins and his staff back to the drawing board um, and the Wildcats as well. And, you know, this was one of my biggest questions coming into the season. You know, Northwestern really fed off of that late season energy last year. Everyone knew the history. Everyone knew what was coming for the Wildcats, you know, what it would mean to make the program's first NCAA tournament. And I had asked in my, my season preview, you know, what now? How, how do you react now that you've achieved, you know, you've made it to the promised land? You know, what do you do now? And so far, it's been struggle. And, you know, maybe this will change. There's plenty of time for Northwestern to get back on track. But, you know, the schedule is going to get difficult here shortly. Things are going to ramp up. And if they play like they did against Texas Tech, they are not making the NCAA tournament. I'll say that right now. They're not going to make it. So they need to improve on that significantly. And, you know, we'll see if they do it here over the coming weeks. Um, 
moving moving forward, the next team I wanted to touch on briefly is uh, Iowa. Um, this is a team, you know what, and I, I will put these three teams together in my analysis right now. Iowa, Penn State, and Rutgers. Not because I think these teams are similar. I think there are significant gaps between some of them. But all three of these teams have played absolutely no one this year. Iowa has the second, I believe, the second weakest schedule in the country per Ken Palm so far. We're only a week into the season, but it gives you an idea of what they've played. Rutgers has also played absolute trash. They played them all at home. Penn State has played more challenging opponents, but they really haven't played anyone worth uh, their salt in anything. Um, so I, I think all th- and all three of these have won relatively easily. Uh, Rutgers got pushed a little bit, but um, no, no substantial upset bids here against these three. And I, I would say all three of them are question marks. I don't think any of them have really changed preseason expectations. And um, the Iowa, the one thing I would note with Iowa, uh, I, I forgot to mention this, and that's because the game happened earlier today. I haven't had a chance to really go back and, and look at what happened, but um, that was my thought coming into this week. Uh, Iowa did lose to LaSalle Lafayette, uh, or, or excuse me, LaSalle, Louisiana Lafayette earlier today. So obviously that's a really disappointing loss. Um, so Iowa maybe takes a step back from where we thought. But coming into today, uh, I like I said, I want to hesitate breaking down that game too much uh, just because I haven't had a, a chance to really dig through it. But I think coming into today, certainly with Penn State and Rutgers, no, no real changes of any consequence with projections and preseason analysis. And Iowa, I will say, similar position with the asterisk of I haven't had a chance to break down today's loss. My assumption is obviously they're going to drop back on what I had previously said uh, a couple of minutes ago regarding their, their hopes for this year. But So, yeah, those those teams, uh, generally speaking, haven't played uh, much quality competition with maybe the exception today of Iowa. But uh, next team on the, the docket that I want to touch on, Michigan. Um, and they are another team who hasn't really played anyone of consequence. They've played three relatively weak opponents. They're going to play late Monday evening. Um, they, uh, I, I think they've underwhelmed. They still have some questions at point guard that I, I think they need to fix. The defense has been relatively underwhelming overall. Um, and I, I know people are hesitant to talk about three-point defense, but they're getting roasted outside the arc so far. And I think it's a byproduct of them missing a lot of switches on the perimeter. Um, they're biting on a, on a lot of movements that I, I think is creating these open opportunities for opponents to, to hit these threes. Um, so we'll see how that progresses. They get LSU tonight. We'll learn a lot more about the Wolverines. I do. I don't think they're as good as they were last year. Certainly, late season of last year. But uh, like I said, we'll we'll find out more on them. So they're sort of a, a wait and see. Another wait and see team. Um, moving past them, uh, another team I won't, uh, wanted to touch on. Ohio State. I think they're a little bit in the opposite. They're, they're, again, an, another team in the category here of haven't really played anyone, but I do think I, Ohio State has looked as comfortably won these games. They were not doing this last year. I, th- I think they're improved. And, you know, Ken Palm, they've already jumped, I want to say, more than 10 spots since opening tip-off, which 
may not sound significant, but that actually is a pretty big jump when you're playing relatively underwhelming opponents early in the season. So I do think Ohio State's improved. I think the return of Bates Diop has done wonders. And, you know, we'll see what Chris Holtman can and his staff can do here. Ohio State faces Gonzaga later this week and you know certainly that'll be a step up in in difficulty and you know we'll see we'll see how the Buckeyes react but I do think that's a team I'm up on so far this season you know they may be that team I talked about one team that surprises in a good way one in a bad way they may be the team that surprises in a good way so keep an eye on the Buckeyes here and we'll see how they play against Gonzaga certainly not going to overreact to how they play against a uh, elite opponent, but you know we'll see. We'll see what they do. Um, a couple other teams I want to touch on here before I, I go. First, Illinois. Um, they're another team I, I think is starting to get a little better. I think they're starting to turn the corner. Um, they knocked off a win against DePaul on Friday night. A little bit of a rivalry flavor to that one, but a nice win for an Illini team that's still trying to find their footing very young freshmen contributing all over they have a lot of new pieces I think that's a team that they're gonna have to find their feet uh, a little bit here and you know they get uh, some more underwhelming opponents this week and then they are going to go on the road I believe against Wake Forest for the Big Ten ACC challenge that will be a that's a team to watch because I, I think they are absolutely a team that could trend up. I think they're a team as well that could end up being relatively underwhelming overall. So we'll have to see how they do here over the next couple of weeks. Big chance for that team to, to improve and really cement themselves as a, um, I don't want to, uh, an improved unit, I guess, this year. I'm, I'm not convinced they're a serious NCAA contender or anything like that, but you know, maybe they can get lucky, pull off a couple upsets and, and grow and, and do some damage late in the season, but we'll see. Um, another team is, is or I, I should say, I, I believe I'm on my last two here. Uh, yes, so there are two more teams. I, I think I've covered everyone. If not, I apologize. But the last two teams, and these are what I consider the two worst teams in the Big Ten at the moment, and that's Indiana and Nebraska. Um, both teams have seriously underwhelmed, or at least underwhelmed based on fan hopes. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to say Nebraska struggling is a major surprise. I had them picked last in the Big Ten in my preseason projections. They've certainly done nothing to think that that was a bold opinion at all. They have won their bye games, but last week they went on the road, first road game of the season, and and playing on the road is very tough, especially for a young team, but they got dominated by St. John's in that road game. I don't think Nebraska has shown anything um you know Palmer had a he's he was offensively productive but not even that efficient and everyone else struggled significantly against a St. John's team that probably isn't even that good uh we'll have to see I think they're a top 100 team on Ken Palm but I don't think they're in the top 50 and they easily dominated Nebraska and they're certainly going to face far more difficult opponents um you know, this week they're going to get UCF. If they win that game, they're going to get West Virginia. Um, and they're an underdog against UCF. Uh, the Huskers are. So I, I think they're going to lose a few more games this week, most likely. And 
after that, I mean, they're they're looking at more challenging games. As as we talked about her before the season, you know, they still have a game against Kansas, uh, which is not going to be easy to say the least. So, Nebraska is a team that I I'm not very high on right now, and we'll see how they grow and and try to mesh these pieces together. And the last one, uh, save the the uh, the Hoosiers for last. Horrible, horrible start to the season for Archie Miller. Certainly not the start fans had hoped for. You know, they start off opening night getting by losing by 20 to Indiana State at home um, to, to ring in the Archie Miller tenure in Bloomington. Just rough, rough loss. I mean, there's not much to uh, talk about beyond that. I mean, if you lose by 20 to Indiana State, that's not exactly a good sign. Um, they followed that up with a few underwhelming wins against bye teams and a loss on the road to Seton Hall. Now, I will say, in my opinion, I, I think the Hoosiers have played better defense. I think they're getting a little more out of their front court than they did against Indiana State. But I'm I'm still not convinced in the slightest that Indiana uh, is anywhere close to hopes and aspirations of fans this year. I think they're going to struggle to be even in NIT contention this year. We'll, we'll see. You know, they have more than enough opportunities to get some big wins. They get Duke here shortly, but I think this is going to be a rebuilding year for the Hoosiers, and, and fans need to hope that Archie Miller can continue to get things done on the recruiting trail, develop some guys, and improve towards the end of the season. But I think Indiana's in, in rough shape, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens going forward, but could be a long year in in Bloomington, but so yeah, I, that that's the whole Big Ten. Uh, hopefully, as I said, I didn't miss anyone here. Just wanted to give a few thoughts on what we've seen so far. Uh, things I'm looking forward to at the moment, you know, certainly the holiday tournaments. You know, Michigan's in Maui. This uh, Phil Knight Invitational, Michigan State's there, Ohio State's there. Going to be some really nice matchups. The Bahamas as well with Purdue. That's going to be a lot of fun. I love this week. So many great games every day. Uh, so those will be a blast as well as, you know, we'll have an opportunity here shortly to talk about the Big Ten ACC Challenge. But that's just around the corner. So another great set of games coming there. So with that, um, I'm going to let everyone go. If uh, if you have questions or uh, want topics for me to hit on, feel free to tweet at me or email me. Um, I'll certainly take those under advisement uh, for the next podcast. But uh, with that... Uh, I'm going to end tonight's podcast. My name is Thomas Bendit. You can follow me on Twitter at T Bendit, and we'll see you all next time.